Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, February 7th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great start to their week. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. We have a lot to talk about. It is UFC 284 Fight Week. The big fight, the big main event for the UFC lightweight title, the featherweight champion, Alexander Volkanovsky will challenge a man that Dana White doesn't even know, but we all do. It's Islam Makachev, the lightweight champion of the world. Number one versus number two, pound for pound. That fight, freaking rules. And I said this on Twitter, I don't need the UFC to pump me up for this. I don't need Dana White to pump me up for this fight. I'm gonna pump myself up for this fight because it absolutely friggin' rules and I cannot wait to see it. I cannot wait to see how this fight plays out. So I don't need anybody trying to hype me up for it. I'm just gonna get more hyped as the week progresses. Whether I watch a second of Embedded, a second of the press conference, a second of Media Day, I'm still gonna be just as fired up as I think I'm going to be Saturday which I will be in New York City for to do the UFC 284 watch party with my man GC and some special guests along the way, which I'm glad I said that out loud because I need to figure out who those special guests are going to be. So let me write that down on the old to-do list and we'll figure that part out. Not only is that going on, we are coming off a very busy weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. We had Bellator 290, the promotion's debut on CBS, and I thought it was a pretty damn good card. I thought it was a pretty good showing. It was, I thought it was like a BB plus, which is really good, and that great is just nothing bad happened. Nothing bad happened. I know we were a little sad that Fedor got finished quickly, but I don't think that was really a surprise. The Legends send-off at the end, I kind of was icky about it, Heading in, but it actually didn't turn out too bad because, you know, Fader got stopped and he got beat up, but he didn't get knocked unconscious or anything like that. So it was still a very cool moment seeing the photos even today of Fedor and all the legends that were there. Very, very cool. I thought the broadcast team did a great job. I thought Johnny Eblen did a great job. He is just continuing to surge up the ranks as far as the best middleweights in the world. I would feel pretty confident picking Johnny Eblen in a fight against Alex Pereira right now. I think he's that good. I know Scott Coker said 
he became a star tonight. I don't know if I'll go that far, but I think his stock rose tremendously in the minds of people who already knew who he was, people who expect big things from him, hardcore fans. I don't know if he really translated with the casual audience. I think he needed to go out and just blister Tokov, get a big finish, cut a nice promo at the end, and that would have probably made him that star that Scott Coker was talking about. But I, this is just a nitpicky thing. He killed it. He's, he's the real deal. And the scary thing about Johnny Eblen is that that man is just going to get better. He's just going to get better, and that should scare the shits out of any 185-pounder in Bellator, out of Bellator, potential free agents. This guy is tremendous. And then great win for Brennan Ward. His story, if anybody's stock rose as far as becoming a star on that card, it was probably him. Not only just for the finish and the fight being awesome and just being a wild slugfest like we all expected it to be, but on top of that, just his story getting a little more play. My man Nolan King wrote a, a tremendous article last year, my fellow Bostonites, and I'm glad to see like that's getting a little bit more of a roto. He was on the MMA Hour yesterday, and it was talked about a little bit more, sharing his story. And you know, I I, I hope Brennan Ward just continues to to climb the ranks because what a story he has become. What a story he has become. I thought the prelims are pretty good. I didn't watch any of the post limbs. What can you do? And then the UFC had a card. They had a card on Saturday. UFC Vegas sixty eight. The road to UFC fights were a lot of fun. Tetsuro Tyra looked really good in his fight. Got a quick finish. First round submission. This kid's going to be a problem for a lot of people. Big win for Devin Clark. Not a lot of people saw that coming. And I think most people are talking about the main events. Derek Lewis just didn't really have much of a chance at all to get going. Sergey Spivak just dragged him to the mat and then did it again. And then did it again. And again, and again, and again, and again, until he just beat up Derek Lewis until the fight was over. Uh, got the submission, got the tap, got the nasty arm triangle, and gets it done. So a lot of questions about where Derek Lewis goes from here. Dana White said he ain't going anywhere. I think right at this point, Derek Lewis is kind of in that, just to go back to Bellator, he's kind of in that Saba Hamasi, Brennan Ward role right now. Just give him fun fights. Like, don't chuck him in there with the Sergey Spivaks of the world. Do not chuck him in there with the Alexander Romanovs of the world. Get him in there with the Jarzinos of the world. I know he already fought Tai Tuivasa, but guys like that. These are the guys that Derek Lewis should be fighting moving forward because people still care about Derek Lewis. They want him to do well. He's taking it seriously. It's just a horrific stylistic matchup for him. That first round was going pretty much the way I thought it would. But I thought at some point Derek would be able to get back to his feet, take a little momentum, maybe get a finish in the second round. But that just did not happen. Great performance. Sergey Spivak did exactly what he needed to do. And we will see where he goes from here. On top of that, Dana White, very strategically, I might add, I thought it was brilliant on his part, Saturday, right around 10 a.m., he goes on all the social channels, he goes on YouTube, and makes some announcements, announces that Sean O'Malley signed a new eight-fight deal, announced that UFC 287 was going to take place in Miami. If you listen to the show, I've been kind of telling you that for a while now. And the big news, we found out that Conor McGregor is back. He will be coaching the Ultimate Fighter 
and will be opposed by Michael Chandler, not just on the show, but they're going to fight later on this year. Maybe it'll definitely be the second half of the year, maybe September. I don't know. But Connor's not obviously not back in the USADA pool, so he's going to be in there for six months. So September, October, November, doesn't really matter. That fight is really just going to be a brawl. It's going to be fun. Um, heard a lot of different opinions on the fight. Chandler was on the MA Hour yesterday talking about it. Had some things to say. His mystic Mike predictions, which Conor McGregor kind of scoffed at. But this is a great move. I thought the timing of the announcement was brilliant because it took a little bit of focus off of the Bellator card because Dana White's not an idiot. He understood that most of the eyes of the MMA-watching world were upon the Bellator card over the UFC card, mostly because the Bellator card was a 1,000 times better on paper. And on top of that, the Bellator card, the main card, didn't start at 1 a.m. Eastern. Again, it is what it is. Doesn't seem like they're going to go back to that well again, unless they do a card in in South Korea in the future. But McGregor versus Chandler, great fight, great fight. We'll see what happens. Looks like it's going to take place at one seventy, which is fine by me. I don't really care at all. What weight class that fight happens? Tough will be interesting. I will probably watch an episode or two. I will get sick of it by the second episode, I can assure you. But the beauty of having Connor on and having Chandler on is that I don't need to watch a show. I can just watch social media. I can watch all the clips, all the highlights right there and then. And that's why this move is, is brilliant on a lot of fronts. It's going to pump up the fight, pump up the season. The social media numbers will be through the roof. Great call. Great call. And we'll see how that all plays out, how the season plays out. Lots to get to. So let's go to you guys. I'm done with my rant. Let's go. And I got to start off on a, on a good front. I got to bring in my best friend. I haven't talked to him since Sunday. We had a, you know, we talked for a, a second or two in the meeting we had yesterday, but I just missed the band. So I have to start with him. My best friend, AK, how are you? My best friend, Michael Heck, I'm perfect. Uh, Colin getting to be the first caller on Heck of a Morning today. I, since Saturday, and by the way, thank you for ending your opening with McGregor Chandler Ultimate Fighter Talk because that is the perfect segue into my calling in, my my existence, really. I figured. Uh, yes, I, I I said I I, I don't think in, I've tweeted about the about the announcement at all. I don't think I've spoken publicly. Uh, if any you know uh, sites out there would like to do a. Uh, Alexander Kaylee breaks silence on Ultimate Fighter 31 announcement. <laughs> get your quote, get your your transcribing hands ready. I will now speak upon it, and I, and I will I will end with a question, Mike. But uh, I, it's it's great news. Um, New York Rick on the MMA, they kind of brought me up for like a second, and they were like, "Oh, I wonder if he's either all in and super excited that you know Ultimate Fighter has gotten this juice back, you know, like this they really went in with the they got McGregor back, and it sounds like people are talking about it again." Or if I'm more of like a hipster and kind of being like, oh, no, now they've tainted it by making it too mainstream, by bringing McGregor back and throwing in Michael Chandler and trying to get all these new viewers as opposed to keeping it the sort of uh, what's become kind of a niche product over the past, I don't know, what, 10, 12 seasons. So uh, I, I will say I'm really excited about it. I did have a moment of like, oh, is this really like, oh, I guess they got what they wanted. Probably because I didn't believe the McGregor thing was real when you brought it up on Instagram. I thought like, yeah, of course they talked to him about it. I didn't think it was like a serious offer. I thought just like, oh, an ultimate fighter season is coming up. 
they've had conversations with McGregor. It was one of like 12 things they might have brought up with him. I didn't know how serious it was. Glad it worked out. He is a huge star. His first season he did was really fun and and oddly like memorable as, as far as like what spun off out of it. The the TJ Dillashaw, you know, break from Alpha Male, Artem Lobov happening, uh, Watch Your Underwears, man. Like there was like three classic moments in that season. Um, so that was that was a good one. And, and for him to be back is great. Michael Chandler, perfect. He was great on the MMA Hour as well. If you watch his interview there, like his passion for being an Ultimate Fighter, it dwarfs my passion for watching it, if you can believe it. And again, I have never missed a season of The Ultimate Fighter. I, I'm obsessed with the show. Um, so yeah, and I don't even mind, Mike, you know, you've heard me complain before about, oh, they shouldn't put big matchups on the show because it makes us have to wait. And these fights often never happen. One of the guys gets injured. I think they've had a decent track record in, recently of the fights actually happening. And in this case, the weight doesn't matter because we know McGregor has been off with an injury and uh, manipulating his physique. He may need extra months, you know, more than usual when you book a fight to, let's say, become uh, suitable to step into the cage again and, and <laughs> address uh, certain, you know, his, his old pals at USADA. Maybe want to be a while before he says hi to them officially in an official capacity. So it's fine. So it's fine. So I have no problem. If, again, if the fight gets derailed, that's not the UFC's fault. That's not anybody's fault. This fight was not going to happen in the next three months. Any, like, you could book it. And it's not going to happen the next three months anyway. You need this break, however long it's going to be um, when the fight when the fight is actually booked. So it's fine. This this works out perfectly. So yeah, I'm excited. It has the official AK Lee seal of approval. Uh, I, I I I hope I, I hope people know Mike on our our coworkers that I am covering Ultimate Fighters. So you know, I've been jumping on that grenade for the last little while, and now I'm sure we're gonna have oh, oh Shaheen Al Shadi's gonna come out of the woodwork. <laughs> Oh, can I cover tough this year? Because Connor's on it. I'm like, no, man. I've been doing this for a while. Now this is my dessert. I get to cover what will be the most watched season in I don't know how long. Uh, to go back to New York Rick again, he said, you know, it'll probably only provide like a short-term boost and maybe not like revitalize Ultimate Fighter. I'm like, that's true. I think that's that's true. And that's good. That's good. Whatever happens. If they get an ABC, that's another story. That'd be freaking incredible. But Mike, I'll leave with a couple of questions. One for you. What is the last season of Ultimate Fighter that you watched? I don't want to say all the way through, but like we're like involved in, watched most of the episodes, and you know, really felt like, oh, I'm enjoying watching Ultimate Fighter. I can't wait to watch it. So, how long ago was that? What season was it? And for anyone listening now, uh, let us know what, if, what other Ultimate Fighter coverage you want because we're hoping to do some sort of, if not like a live watch party, I don't know if that'd be a bit much. If you want that, let us know. But like, watch party, maybe instant recap after something quick hit on social media. Because um, again, I think people are definitely more interested than usual. So for Mike, last season you watched, and for anyone's listening, if they want to chime in, uh, what do you want to see from MMA fighting with Ultimate Fighter uh, Thirty One coverage? Thank you, Mike. I mean, just just the best, just the best right there. The last season I watched, man, it's been a long time. Like honestly, like the only. The only season that I was like, I have to be home to watch it was the first one. Once I saw, once I saw Diego Sanchez just being Diego Sanchez, I was hooked. I just wanted to see what, like, what else this dude would do. It was like watching like a bizarro Frank Dukes from Bloodsport just get ready for his day. It was just very intriguing. I don't know. That dude in his weirdness just kind of hooked me, and I had to watch every week to see what kind of shenanigans he was going to do. 
I will say like the last one that I just watched start to finish was probably is probably the the Rousey Tate season, maybe. I think it was that one. I think I watched that one kind of all the way through. Yeah, I think that's the one. But it's been a long time. It has been a long time since I have uh, been into it. There were times where, like, I was sick and I would go through, like, Fight Pass and watch some episodes from old seasons. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a minute. It's definitely been a minute. But I'm intrigued. I don't know if we're going to do, like, a watch party, but I think maybe, like, a Twitter Spaces would be fun during the, the Ultimate Fighter season. I think that could be interesting in some ways. Maybe a quick recap on here or, or a quick recap podcast. I don't know. What, are, what do you guys want to see? All right. Thank you, AK. You are the man. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Tristan, hello. Yes, sir. Hi. Um, my question is in regards of um, the re-signing of Kevin Lee. And then um, Chris Wyman, um, both of them talking about making their return to UFC competition. Um, my question is to you, especially reading the piece on Chris Wyman on MMA Hour. I'm not going to say he's delusional. I'm not. I'm not going to say that. You know, that's that's. I feel that's very disrespectful. But what do you think in his mind? Do you, do you feel that he's trying to trick himself? to feel that I'm going to be the middleweight champion again. Um, he talked about he doesn't want to be eased in. He wants a top 15 in the middleweight division. He says he's going to beat that person. And then um, he's going to, he wants a top five. Because uh, if he beats a top 15, he'll get a title shot. Now, he may be right because of the relationship that he has with Dana White. Um, but I I just, I just don't really see it, and he's just his last win was what I don't know three years ago maybe, um, and that was by unanimous decision against the fighter. Uh, I think he's in the PFL now, and um, other than that, it's just, he's been knocked out. He's been by just any of the middleweights that he's fought. So you know, I, I want your thoughts on that of what maybe his mindset is, and do you actually believe it? And he even said that his, um, his leg is still hurting him. He's going to compete in a grappling match, and then from there he's going to know he's going to call the UFC to get a fight book. As far as Kevin Lee, Kevin Lee's making his return. He won't be returning to lightweight. He'll be fighting at welterweight at 170. Um, I mean, that's going to be rough because the welterweight division is so deep. I mean, my I would like to see him fight maybe RDA for the second time, see how that goes. Maybe he has a good shot there. But 
that's going to be rough for him. I mean, but I'm more kind of like in tune with Kevin Lee that, you know, maybe he has a shot in the welterweight. We'll see. I mean, he didn't look great either in his Ego FC fight. So just your thoughts about those two guys and what do you see for them in the future back in the UFC? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I mean, the Wyman one's interesting because, I mean, I, I, I got to spend some time with him in July during International Fight Week, um, did an interview with him, but, you know, got to talk to him off camera for, for a little while. And, I mean, the dude's mindset is is just unbelievable. There There are very few people – like Chris Weidman, who just is positive. He's just positive all the time. Like, it's a, it's just a delight to be around that guy. Like, you can't help but become motivated yourself after spending five minutes with that guy. Um, he's just good people. And there are – I mean, there are some very good people in the sport, but for the most part, there are probably more not-so-good people in the sport. And Chris Weidman is, like, first-team good people in the sport – so you want to root for the guy. You definitely want to root for the guy, and he's got it in him. I mean, he's shown it. Just like one of the biggest what ifs in the history of this sport for me is what if Chris Weidman didn't throw that spinning back kick against Luke Rockhold? Like he was winning that fight, and they just got melted. And from there, just everything just kind of crashed and burned on him. Like different different injuries, just different decision-making. And, you know, the losses were just tough, man. Like, the Rockhold one was tough. Lock, Rockhold, you know, we felt like after he beat Chris Weidman, he was going to be the middleweight champion for a long, long time. Turned out he never defended that belt before Michael Bisping beat him. And then Weidman was beating Yoel Romero and gets just deaded with a flying knee. The Musasi fight was kind of a weird one. Beats Gastelum. That was a cool moment. Then he fights Jacare. Close fight. Gets finished in the third round again. Then he moves up to 205 and gets knocked out by Dominic Reyes. I actually, like, I feel like the Omariak Madoff win was a good, like, at the time, it was a really good win. Like, that was a really good win. Not a lot of people were picking Wyman to win that fight. And he went in there and, and just and just won. He dug deep in the third round and, and got the job done. Like, I thought that was a great performance. And then the Uriah Hall fight just ended in such heartbreak. Like, we never – that fight just never got going. So, we just don't know. Um, but, yeah. He's been going through a lot. He didn't want to get into specifics because there's going to be sort of a doc coming out about him once he actually books a fight. But, I, listen, if he wants to go in there and make a run, go in there and make a run. I ain't going to stop him. It'll be interesting to see how they sort of match him up. I think you have to be, I think you have to be pretty smart about it. Like you can't chuck him in there with Drickus Duplessis. I think that's just like a terrible idea. Um, but there are like, there are certain guys that I think he'd do okay with. But again, it might be too soon to even talk about that because you're going to do this grappling match and see how his, his leg feels after that. And we'll go. But if Chris Wyman can come back and get a win, like we're going to be talking about that the entire week after. That'll be, the, that'll be like the headline of whatever post-fight show we do. Chris Wyman's triumphant return. And at that point, the buzz he's going to generate from all that 
because I'm sure the story about the recovery is going to come out before he fights. And we're going to be like, holy shit, this guy's not a human being. Like what a, like what an insane road that this man had to take. So go get it, man. Go get it. The Kevin Lee one kind of a head scratcher for being honest. It, it, it kind of, I mean, look, Kevin is a, I like Kevin Lee a lot. Great personality. He's always been very nice to me. Uh, doesn't appear like I'll be speaking with the man anytime soon because he signed with Ali, uh, which by the way, uh, my decision not to speak with those, not to, to work with Ali's side, not theirs. Uh, but I know he could be tough to deal with and his team can be tough to deal with. But man, like I, it was kind of a head scratcher. Loses to Iaquinta. Gets stopped by RDA. Yeah, the Greg Gillespie win was awesome. That was one of the coolest knockouts ever. Gets beat by Oliveira. Gets beat by D-Rod, who was kind of banged up in that fight to begin with. And then he fought Diego Sanchez in a fight that just wasn't great. I know he got hurt early in the fight, but... It's not, we didn't walk away from that one being like, oh man, can't wait to see him fight again. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, 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 I'll reserve judgment until he actually gets in there. But as far as matchups go, like, man, I don't want, really want to see the RDA fight again. I think we've seen it. I don't think it goes any better. I think you kind of use because Kevin Lee's still a pretty big name. You kind of use him to to catapult other talent, and if Kevin Lee wins, then cool. But I don't know. Like maybe if J- if Jack Dalla Madalena just rips through Randy Brown, that could be a good that could be a good one to get JDM over a little bit more. And they have they have guys with some buzz right now. Like Phil Rose got a little bit of buzz. That'd be an interesting one. Guys like Michael Morales who are on the come up guys like Jeremiah Wells who are on the come up, like guys you want to get over the hump, throw them in there with Kevin Lee and see what happens. But yeah, I was, I was a little surprised by that. I think it's has a lot to do with, the relationship between Ali and the UFC. But having a guy like Kevin Lee on the roster, a guy who is great on the mic, can have flashes of, of greatness. And with Kevin Lee, it's just it's a potential thing. If this guy can actually reach his potential that everybody knows he he has, he's gonna be a problem. But it's just it's always been a mindset thing with him. And let's just see if he can get over the hump. It was a head scratcher. I was a little surprised to see that when we confirmed it. I was like, "Wow, this is this is happening." And I, like I said, I like Kevin. I wish him the best. And the matchmaking is gonna be interesting. I honestly don't know what what, what they're gonna do. And he's coming off of a tough injury too. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Good question, though. Both those guys. Uh, Toke. Hi, Toke. How are you? 
ways um, because I'm going to ask about something you didn't mention off the top uh, because I am very curious about the stupidest man in the sport um, and how I, because I want to get a look into the MMA fighting uh, Slack channel when Dylan Dennis was <laughs> was um, uh, duped, let's say into uh, promoting a scam in which he signed a contract, oh, sorry, agreed to a contract that actually said verbatim the same thing as the crypto zoo uh, Logan Paul scam. And then he said, I agree to that. And then pumped uh, or tweeted about a thing that was never a thing. And uh, getting, yeah, c getting completely exposed by Coffeezilla after going hard on Logan Paul being being a scam artist uh, <laughs> while himself having been part of multiple pump and dumps. So I just want to get a quick look into the MMA fighting Slack channel. I, I was writing about uh, with uh, Alex Kaylee yesterday about it. <laughs> so I just want to hear your uh, how yeah how you reacted to all of that and uh, what you what comments you have uh, to further elaborate on it. Thanks, Mike. I mean, I really don't have a lot to say about it because he's just an idiot. I mean, he's like a five-year-old. He's like a five-year-old. And it pretty much was like, it was a while, like, after, you know, multiple events and everything that has transpired since th those tweets came out. Um, it was basically just like, oh, Dylan, no. Oh, no, Dylan, what are you doing? And then just more like, Yeah, he's kind of screwed because he's going to get exposed for being a five-year-old. Oh, this guy. I mean, the the size of the shovel this man has that he just keeps using in his own backyard to just dig himself deeper and deeper. I mean, this has to be – this shovel he has must weigh 175 pounds, and it must be like 30 feet wide. Because that's, I mean, I, I just, it's unbelievable. I mean, it truly is unbelievable how naive and how just dumb he is. <laughs> What else can he say? Golly. I didn't watch the video. I, I think I saw that it was released and I saw like some clips perhaps. I don't know if the video actually came out itself, but um, I like browsed through some of the clips, but Jesus Christ, man. Get it together. What is his management team doing? Come on now. How could you just let this happen? Viking, hello. Viking. Hello, CEO of MMFighting.com. What's how up, you, man? Mike? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh... Do you remember when I said in this space in the past that if uh, if Volkanovski finds some elite level grappler, he's going to fall, and that time he he just became pound for pound number one when I said that. So now he he just about to meet an elite level grappler, and you just compared Volkanovski's skills. Uh, against uh, Brian Ortega. You just give me an example of Brian Ortega. So we'll see that. And 
Hold on one second, four corners first. And then the other thing with uh, with Chandler coaching, the beauty of the tough is that, like, you're just kind of the face. And some coaches, like, really get in there and coach. But they also bring in a staff of guys who really can coach. Like, I'm sure Michael Chandler will have Henry Hooft, and I'm sure Greg Jones will be there, and maybe somebody else from Killcliffe FC, maybe a teammate or something. Uh, and Mike can just kind of help out. Like, that's basically what you do. Uh, you're just the guy who runs the team, but you bring in your own coaches and they will coach and Mike will just motivate the hell out of them. Like, I'd love to be on Team Chandler. Like, get to work with Greg Jones and Henry Hooft. Holy shit. And then Mike just spitting motivational one-liners. It's the best. That'd be a lot of fun. All right, Four Quarter Sports, what's up? Hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. So, I want to talk about one championship real quick. I'm just I'm just finding about this right now that one actually has a card, and I still don't understand how is it that they're not pushing their product, you know, more. I mean, they keep on talking about how they want to be what to go their one B, what to go to the UFC, and I mean, I don't know too much about Andrage, you know. Um, just talk me through like, you know, what to expect. Because, I, I mean, I know who John Lineker is, but I don't know so much about Andrade. Um, so, I mean, I'm probably going to watch one championship on Friday. But I wanted to talk about um, this upcoming fight between uh, Jack Della Maddalena versus uh, Randy Randy Brown. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at the, at the betting lines, and I do feel that, what's it called? A lot of people are doubting Randy Brown. I mean, Randy Brown, for, for what it's worth, I believe he's top 15 worthy. I think after this, if he gets a victory after – over Jack Della Maddalena, he's definitely, you know, somebody that people need to pay attention towards. But I think the the lines, you know, shouldn't be, like, this far apart. I mean, what's your thoughts? And I think – and do you think uh, Randy Brown has a good chance of um, pulling off the upset? Yeah, he definitely has a chance of pulling off the upset. He's good. Where are the lines right now? Wow. Minus 320 for JDM? I mean, it's a dog or pass situation. Like, all the values on Randy Brown, for sure. All the values on Randy Brown. And it's funny, like, um, again, I, I get sucked into, like, looking at YouTube comments, and <laughs> it's like every video that I'm a part of, people say, uh, never forget that Mike Heck told, that Mike Heck picked Lauren Murphy to be Jessica Andrade. It's, it's actually hilarious every time I see it. Um, cause I think I, I, I explain that pretty carefully that Andrade was the better fighter and it was just a value pick. Uh, I just felt like there was no value on Jessica Andrade. It turned out I was dead wrong. Cause Jessica Andrade could have been a minus 8,000 in that fight. And there was value on her. Uh, but just looking at Lauren's career and her durability and, the way she gets better as fights progress, I felt like at plus three something, it was worth the dog shot. But And then I picked her for the MA fighting picks because, as I said, strategically, you have to make a move that nobody else is going to make. And if you're right, then you pretty much win the whole card. And that was sort of my pick. Uh, it didn't work out. So for all those people who like keep giving me shit, Keep doing it because it's hilarious. Um, 
but also listen to what I was trying to say. Yeah, that's a big line. It's a big line. It's a good fight. And so it's, it's actually perfect matchmaking, I think. It's exactly where you'd want to put JDM, and he needed to be on this card, and Randy Brown's always game. So I love that fight. I love that fight. Uh, Fabiano Andrade is just is kind of a dude who there are certain fighters who come in like really young and they're they've just an incredible skill set and then they kind of get a little naive, a little overconfident, a little bit, you know, I'm better than all these guys and I feel like that's how his pro career began. And then four or five years ago, the light bulb just turned on for this dude and he was kind of humbled up a little bit. And that humbleness helped his skill set evolve in the right way. And since then, this dude is just murdering people. Like none of his fights are really all that competitive. And even the John Lineker fight before just one of the worst groin strikes I've ever seen or heard in my life. Andrade was putting the boots to John Lineker. I mean, John Lineker was a battered mess. He was a mess. And I don't know if the fight goes much differently, honestly. I mean, maybe Lineker made the veteran-like adjustments, but, man, this kid, this guy Fabiano, uh, excuse me, uh, Fabricio D'Andrade. I don't know why I keep calling him Fabiano because I think someone was trying to call in who was named Fabiano. He's 25, world ahead of him. Tremendous skill set. He's only going to get better. And he's just, he gets it right now. He didn't, the skills are always there. The mind wasn't. And I think the mind has caught up with the skills. This guy's going to be a problem for a long time. He probably needs to change his nickname. According to Topologies, nickname is Wonder Boy. But it's two words, so it's a little different. But I think people take the Wonder Boy nickname and they only look at Stephen Thompson. But yeah, Fabricio D'Andrade is a monster. And yeah, that that fight's happening this month. That fight is happening this month. But yeah, I'm with you when it comes to the ones promotion. It's just it's tough. It's tough. Like it's only it's like they they target certain parts of the globe, but they don't really target the U.S. Like I know they have a card coming up in the U.S. and they'll probably promote the shit out of that here in the U.S. and everybody will know about it. But some of these other cards outside of the first Amazon card with DJ and Marias, I mean, I haven't seen any promotion for these Amazon cards. None. Like just none. Because they just assume like, well, everybody in America has Amazon. So they'll just click on Amazon Prime on a Friday night and be like, oh, there's fights on. I'll just click on that. Doesn't really work that way. Doesn't really work that way. I don't know. That fight's going to be interesting. But Dan Drage, I'm going to pick him to be John Lineker. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. 
Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Anthony, hello. Heck of a morning. I just want to talk real quick about the 135-pound division. Over the weekend, we had Nakamura, that guy, silver medalist, and then he just didn't even want to show us that silver medal. He just went cracking and got that first-round knockout. This kid is a problem, man. I do not know how he stacks up in the division. You know, we had Henry, who just went to triple, uh, double champ status, and he was a Olympic medalist. You know, obviously he went gold, but it's pretty crazy. And uh, Lee Jingling, Michael Chiesa, that's perfect matchmaking. I really like that fight. Uh, that's all I had, man. Thank you. Have a good morning. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I like that one, too. I was very excited to, to hear Chiesa announce that one. Uh, it was funny because, you know, Kessa reveals I'm gonna I'm gonna announce this fight. So I, of course, tried to get ahead of it, um, not because I want to outscoop him. I just like to be prepared. So, and, and to Kiesa's credit, he held that close to the vest and told his team not to tell anybody. Uh, because, like, I would never spoil that anyways. Like, I would never spoil that. I would never spoil that. Like, when there's a big announcement to be had, like, I'm not going to spoil it. That's just not who I am. Like, you want to – of course, like, part of the job is, like, you want to get be first and you want to, like, break a big story and stuff like that. And that's cool. But you also don't want to, like, screw up any relationships. And I feel like I have great relationships with pretty much everybody across the board in this sport outside of, like, three or four people. And you don't want to do that. So, like, for, for, an ex, for example, I knew before Dana White went on and announced the UFC 287 lineup, I knew that Mazadal was fighting Gilbert Burns. I knew it. I was told by someone who 100% knows. But they're like, just don't say anything because like, there's going to be a, an announcement for it. So I was like, okay. So I didn't say anything. And I also knew that Pereira Adesanya was going to be on that card. And it happened fast. And it was basically like extra confirmation. Miami was probably going to be the destination. There was just some postseason stuff. Mazel talked about in the MAR. I also was made aware of the boxing thing that he announced yesterday and some of the names that were on it, like Jose Aldo, like Anthony Pettis. There are other names that I had heard that – weren't revealed in the actual lineup and that card's being put together. But I knew about that. I knew it was happening April 1st and I knew there were three locations in play. One of them was Orlando. One of them was Milwaukee, which it ended up being, and there was another location. I forget what it was, maybe Chicago. Oh no, it was Phoenix. Phoenix was the third location that was in play, which would have been cool. Um, but I knew all that. But, I mean, I, I wasn't going to say anything because it's not my place to say something. When there's ways that you want to announce things and I'm aware of them, I'm never going to, like, out-scoop somebody uh, when people want to make an announcement that way. So I reached out for the cast announcement and just like, we'll pre-write it and uh, when he announces it, we'll just fire it. But they're like, nope, 
he just wants to announce it himself, and I obviously understood that. But that's great matchmaking. Great matchmaking. Perfect fight for both guys. I love it. Nakamura is a beast. That dude is a freaking problem. That fight was awesome. Just like a lot, pretty much every road to UFC final fight was great. Those dudes brought it. As far as how I would match Nakamura up, like right away, I don't want to get too crazy with him. Like, I think he's, I think this guy's going to be real good. But this division is a just a murderer's row of, of talent. I would say maybe like a Ronnie Lawrence, somebody like that. Cause like the scrambles between those two guys could be a lot of fun. And in the off chance that the wrestling negates itself, those two are just going to throw hammers at each other. That's a fun fight. That's what I'm going with. That's my, that's my on to the next one. Matchmaking pick for Mr. Nakamura. Cause that fight was great. Great performance. Very excited. Uh, so I had some, I got some IG messages uh, for Hack of the Morning for people who couldn't be here. Uh, let me check these out real quick. A lot of the same here. Wow, there's like, holy smokes. One, two, three, wow. All right, so I'll address these real quick. Um, and let me see what the chat here has to say. Who does who does the extra time benefit, Cheeto or Sanhagen? Yes, that fight's happening in San Antonio. Um, I don't know. I think it kind of affects both guys the same, honestly, because they were peaking, getting ready for next Saturday, and then – it was like eight days ago they're told that they're moving to San Antonio. So I don't know if it really helps anybody, honestly. I don't know if it really helps anybody. I don't know. So I got a lot of – I got like five DMs about the Dana White not saying Islam Makachev's name or not remembering the name. Um, it's just, I mean, so many people have just been asking about the lack of promotion for the card. And then that moment in particular, just kind of put it over the top. It was like a, a volcano was building and building and building. And then Dana, not actually remembering Islam's name, put it over the top. Uh, yeah, it was really bad. That's just really, really bad. <laughs> like, I don't care how tired you are to me. Like for me, it was like 4am. For him, it was like 1 a.m. Dana's out playing blackjack far later than that and probably could remember people's names and, and, and faces and things like that. So not good, really bad. Uh, and that kind of led to like my tweet on Sunday. Like, don't worry about the promotion. Like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This is not new. This is not new. If you go back... Through Twitter and all that. Look, do I understand there was no slap fighting league and all this shit that they're trying to promote and get over? Yes, I obviously understand that. But this is different. Most of the time, the promotion for these cards is just not good. Because it doesn't need to be. The UFC has won. 
They have already won the game. Just putting a card on that's going to air on Saturday is going to net them a lot of money. They are probably promoting the shit out of that card in Perth, which is why the ticket sales are where they're at right now. They're probably going to do a gigantic gate, and they're going to make that extra income off of that gigantic gate. Pay-per-view buys do not matter anymore. None of that matters. They're getting the same amount of money no matter what. And if they get a whole bunch of pay-per-view buys, great. That's like good promotion. You'd be like, oh, we did a million point, 1.2 million pay-per-view buys. But there's a reason why those numbers aren't told to us anymore because they don't matter. They don't matter. None of that matters. All of us in this room right now are aware of this fight. We all know what's happening. We're all excited for it. We're all intrigued about it in our own ways. Whether or not we feel like Volk can pull off the big upset, win the belt, become a two-division champion, where that would place him in the all-time great list. Some people are saying he'd be the greatest fighter ever if he beats Islam Makachev. I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but he's, he's in the conversation. That's for damn sure if he wins this fight on Saturday. Will Makachev just truck Volkanovsky. The intrigue is there. The questions are there. We have them all. Like, we have them. So you don't need to tell us about it. The UFC has, for years, understood that the hardcore fans are in. We're going to watch no matter what. The media is going to watch no matter what. We're going to hype it up better than they will in a lot of respects. But we're also going to be honest about the cards that aren't great either. But if there's good storylines and there's compelling things and there's things to talk about and there's questions that can be answered, we're going to talk about them and we're going to put the fight over. They know that. They're not stupid. What they're trying to do is get, for a lot of these cards, like when they over-promote stuff, they're trying to get the casual audience involved. And as awesome and as spectacular as this fight is on paper, it has no casual appeal whatsoever. It just doesn't. Even if you say, like, number one, number two in the world, that does not matter. And it's not the first time this has happened. It's the second time it's happened. Because we had it with John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. And at least in that sense, you, ha- you could get casual appeal. Because people knew who John Jones was. People, DC wasn't quite there just yet. But people knew who John Jones was. They knew who he was. They knew his story, his ups, his downs. They knew everything. They also had plenty of footage of DC and John Jones almost getting in a fight and poor Dave Schaller's trying to separate it. There's obviously that backstage thing between John and DC, which went viral. Like that could, you could spin that towards a casual audience by just playing those clips over and over again. This one doesn't, they, neither guy really crosses over that line where the casual people know who any of these guys are. Like I said, I could go to I could go to the grocery store right now and be like, hey, you excited to watch John Jones fight? They'll know who I'm talking about. Like, not a ton of them, but if I asked like 20 random people, I'm sure like six or seven of them would know who John Jones is. But if I went into the grocery store right now and asked who Alexander Volkanovsky or Islam Makachev was, maybe one would be like, oh yeah, those guys are fighting on Saturday. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. But Dana not knowing Islam's name is, is bad. Is bad. And I've had brain farts on this show where I forget things and I have to look things up, but I'm not forgetting Islam Makachev's name, for God's sakes. 
definitely not forgetting that man's name. So again, we can fire ourselves up for it. I don't think we, we don't need the UFC to tell us about this fight. That's what these shows are for. We're going to talk about them. We're going to put them over. And I'm telling you right now, by the time we get to Friday, we're not even going to be talking about this anymore. We're not even going to be talking about it. That's how the UFC does it now. Focus on what's here. By the time we get to fight week, then we're just going to unload content on you and you'll get ready to go. Like I said, 2016, we had the same conversation about McGregor versus Diaz 2 for UFC 202. Where's the promotion? I feel like there's not enough hype behind this one. And then once we got to fight week and they had their face-to-face and they had their press conference and the bottle started flying, that's it. Everything just took off from there. So this isn't new. This isn't new. I understand this fight deserves a lot more respect from the promotion, but this isn't new. It really isn't. I'll get to the other IG thing. It's don't really want to do it, but I've gotten like, I mean, I literally had six DMs about it, so I'll get to it. Kurt, what's up, buddy? Oh, hey, Mike. Good morning. Good to hear from you. I hope you can hear me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, I just wanted to ask something. I, we ta- you saw the thing said McGregor and Chan. Um, I'm a little confused with this whole thing with Connor fighting again, and then the, and even the John Jones thing because, like a year ago, weren't John Jones like beat the crap out of his fiance and was arrested for it. And I, I think that like that kind of like, I, I hear like a lot of people talking about the data thing and slap fighting thing, not wanting that to go away, but I'm just a little confused. Like Connor's like being sued by two women that he's allegedly assaulted. We don't know the details, but I'm just kind of, I'm not excited to see Connor return and, and honestly, I, I'm not excited to see John Jones back. I, I don't really care um, just because of what happened about a year ago. And so I'm just kind of confused. If you can bring clarity why none of this stuff is being brought up or talked about. Thanks. No, you make, you, you make a really good point. Um, you, you definitely do. And, and I've seen this a lot. Here's the, here's the difference between, look, the John thing is really bad. Uh, the police audio and the transcripts from it all are just really bad. Like he's not a great human being. He's just not, uh, the charges were apparently dropped. There were no, like nothing. He wasn't punished really. I think he, maybe it was like a probation thing. I don't know. I know we wrote about it. Uh, maybe I'll go look it up, but the thing is the difference here. And it's, it's not a big one. Cause I get what you're saying. And you know, John is not a guy that I'd be like, oh, I want to hang out with John Jones. Absolutely not with you on that. Uh, but at least the UFC addressed John Jones. You know what I mean? Like, they at least addressed what happened. And they didn't do that with Dana. They didn't do anything. They just put him on TMZ and said, here's our response, which is dumb. So that's a little bit of a different thing. Connor, again, the dude's in trouble all the time. Um, Some is on video. I mean, no one – Connor's a star in a different way. I don't know. There's a lot of – I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But the UFC at least, like, 
responded to all of these things and they didn't do with the Dana thing. And that kind of rubbed people the wrong way. And like I said earlier, there are a lot, there are a lot of really good people in the sport. And there's a lot of awful people in the sport. And I think you named two of the kind of awful people in the sport, if we're being honest. Um, and we believe me during those times, we hammered on both those guys, but you can only do so much with the Connor stuff because they're just allegations. And then you reach out to his team and his team denies everything. And you just kind of wait and see how it all plays out. Uh, and that's the difference between that situation and the Dana situation, because the Dana situation, there is no, well, we need to see how this plays out. It's, we just saw it with our own eyes. So we don't need to see anything play out. Let's just see how the promotion and the parent company responds. And they did nothing. So they kind of got what they wanted. The story just kind of went away. Much like these other stories have kind of gone away. Um, so yeah, they, I guess they kind of got what they wanted. But it is what it is. But I, but I appreciate that question. Let's see if we got anything else in the chat here. Um, I reckon when Connor fights Chandler, he has the possibility of losing. He's been out for so long without any fighting, but he is quite skilled. We'll see what happens. What's the odds currently, and what to, what could they be later on? Let's see. Let's check what the what the odds are. I'm sure there's a future line out there. Let's check it out. Uh, it's a pick'em right now. Minus one ten, minus one ten, according to DraftKings, which I think's about right. I think it's kind of a 50-50 fight. Uh, let's go to Doge999. What up? Doge, you there? Yo, can you, can you hear me? Yep. Yep, Yo, I got you. Um, what's your thoughts on John Jones returning for heavyweight? I'm still... I'm still in that – I'm kind of still in that I'll believe it when I see it stage because we've just been kind of burnt so many times. And for a lot of reasons, Kurt just brought up, um, until he actually walks into that octagon, I'm not fully sold on it yet. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. But I don't know. It's just one of those things. Like at this point, after three years, I got to see it. Like I got to see him make the walk and get into the octagon. I feel I'm intrigued by the fight because if John Jones has learned how to offensively wrestle in space, then he is going to beat the brakes off of Cyril Gaon. Like, he is going to beat the brakes off of that man. But if there's one thing in John's game that has been sort of missing, it's that. Now, John can wrestle, but most of his wrestling is, is clinch-based against the fence, trips, takedowns in that sense. And he's very effective. And Cyril Gaon is great in the clinch. And he is violent in the clinch. He knows that position very well. 
So if they clinch or if they strike, John is a sort of a mysterious striker. He has a bag of tricks that he goes into. Uh, but if we're talking like a straight kickboxing match, Cyril Gaon's going to win that fight nine out of ten times. So if this is like a space kickboxing match, Cyril Gaon is going to win that fight all day long. But if John can like shoot a double <laughs> and like in space take him down and get on top of him, boy, it could be a really rough knife for Cyril Gaon. But it's just a matter of whether or not John has picked up that aspect of his game, how much his actual kickboxing prowess has evolved over the last three years. Like we know he's he's put on a bunch of size. He's been focusing on the diet and nutrition and trying to add that extra mass without loot. And he talked about this on, on a Twitter space yesterday that I just listened to this morning. His main, one of his main focuses was putting on that size, but not losing the gas tank, losing the durability because you saw it before the OSP fight. Before the OSP fight, he put out a bunch of muscle, bunch of size, and he just wasn't the same dude. He wasn't the same guy in there. He won and won easily, but it wasn't like, oh, John Jones is back. It was just a very ich kind of win in a fight that was designed for him to shine in, and it didn't happen that night. And a lot that's one of the questions I have too. How much will that extra muscle impact the guy that was so dominant? I don't know. So I'm intrigued by the matchup, but I'm still not fully sold on it until he walks to the cage. You know, and it's kind of sucky to talk about a fighter in that way, but he's proven to us that he's not very reliable. And he's going to have to spend a week in Vegas, and Vegas has not treated him very well. So, yeah, can't get too, too excited yet. All right, YVMZ, what you got? And then I got to go. Hello, you're muted. You're muted. Oh, sorry. (laughs) There we go. What's up, man? Hey, man, Uh, not sure if this was asked earlier, but uh, uh, any thoughts on uh, Derek Lewis? It seemed like he just totally gave up on that last fight. Thanks. Yeah, it was kind of tough to watch. You know, that was one of the questions we had, and they're always tough. Like, these are always tough questions you have to ask yourselves in this space because you want to sit there and you want to be positive and say good things about everything, but you can't sometimes. Like, and in this case, is like, is Derek Lewis just cooked? Is he just done? And he kind of is. Like, I think we realized that his days of being like a title contender are over. But could he still be like a top 10 heavyweight? I don't think so. But that's okay. That's okay. You can make a very good living being a fun fighter. But now with Derek, like he could still do Derek Lewis things, but we just got to match make him in fun fights. Like, Derek doesn't need titles. He doesn't need rankings. He's one of the, like, there are a few guys in the sport who don't need any of that stuff. Connor's one. He's at, he's, I mean, he's at a whole different level than everybody else, but like Max Holloway's another guy. Uh, and Derek Lewis is kind of in that position too, where people just like him 
and they don't care who he fights. Nobody cares who Derek Lewis fights. They could chuck Derek Lewis in there with me, and people will care because he'll beat the brakes off of me and get a big knockout, and he'll say funny things on the microphone. Like, that's the Derek Lewis we love. Derek Lewis fighting Sergey Spivak, that's, nobody wanted to see that. Nobody wanted to see that fight. You chuck him in there with the jars and your Rosen strikes of the world, guys who aren't going to shoot doubles on him, guys who aren't going to try to drag him to the mat over and over again. You throw him in there with dudes who are going to stand there in that octagon in the center of it and chuck hands and feet with them. That's what you do. That's what you do. And that's how you match make him going forward. Just throw him in there with dudes who are just going to stand and bang with him until somebody falls down. That's how you match make Derek Lewis, and that's how you get people to care and want to watch him fight. Keep him away from Romanov, all those guys. You want to throw him in there? Like, I don't know. Someone on Otno suggested, like, Marcos Rogerio de Lima. I'm in for that. That's fine. Like, they're going to stand there and just punch each other in the face really, really hard. That fight's not getting out of the first round, more than likely. I'm cool with that. But these are the kind of fights that we have to do. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough to watch. Tough to watch. Uh, I'll try to get Adam in one more time, fresh voice, and then uh, we will continue on with our days. I don't know if we're going to get him. Nope, we're not. All right, we are done. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday. We'll do the damn thing again right here at 10 a.m. Eastern, and we'll do it again on Friday. Uh, I'm very excited for Thursday as well because it's going to be a very busy day. we got this show. Then we got BTL. Uh, But Thursday afternoon, uh, I'm going to be talking to Amanda Guerra, who is – if you watch the Bellator card, she absolutely clobbered it on the desk like she always does. Uh, she has been a great addition to the Bellator broadcast team, and I am a broadcast geek. And any ch- time I get the chance to talk to people in broadcasting, uh, I get very excited. So uh, Amanda's actually in Phoenix getting ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, she's down there with CBS Sports, and she's going to give us a little bit of time on Thursday So what I think I'm going to do is take that audio and put it on this show's podcast on Friday. So we'll do our show here, and then we'll follow it up with that conversation. Uh, Very excited to talk to her for the very first time about just getting into MMA and just randomly – I mean, she just randomly showed up on a card, and I want to know how that happened, how she felt about it, uh, how the MMA community has treated her because this is a very tough space to be in. And I think she's killed it. So uh, very, in, very excited to, to talk to her on Thursday. Uh, I'm also working on this feature. Uh, I've done, I think, three or four of these, but it's like a big write-up, big feature piece. Uh, and then there's a, like a news feature audio podcast that's going to go along with it. And this one is, this one was, this one's been tough. This one's been tough. Uh, for a lot of ways. It's been a very emotional one in a lot of ways. And I'm excited for you guys to hear this because you're probably aware of what I'm going, what the subject is going to be and what we're going to talk about. But there's just, uh, 
when I saw this, this is a topic and a, a thing that needs a lot more contextualizing. It needs a lot more layers because I feel like what people have seen is just not enough and it doesn't paint the entire picture. Uh, so I wanted to paint that picture and that's what we're doing. That's what I'm going to be working on pretty much all this week in every free second I have. Uh, but the write-up is, is almost ready to go. Uh, the podcast production is underway. Uh, that is the biggest undertaking of all. Uh, but I think you're all going to dig this when it's done. Uh, I think the plan is that it's going to drop a week from today. That's kind of what we're shooting for because we could drop it this week, but then it's just going to get buried with all the UFC 284 stuff. Uh, and we don't want that to happen because this is a very important story uh, that we're going to try to tell here. So I uh, appreciate your patience on that. And I appreciate you guys jumping on here with the great questions as always. And I appreciate all your enthusiasm and excitement for UFC 284, sharing it in the same way that I am. So thank you very much, everybody. Appreciate you. We'll see you Thursday. Have a heck of a morning and a great rest of your day. I screwed that up, but it is what it is. Have a good one, everybody. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.